Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. I wanted to start out today with a quick shout-out to Matron Saint, a super chic maternity line that wants to revolutionize the way you dress as you embark on motherhood. Their clothes are simple, stylish, and comfortable. Use the code PYC20 when you check out for 20% off your order. Now I want to ask you, my listeners, for a shout out. Rate and review Yoga Birth Babies on iTunes or Stitcher and follow PYC and Matron Saint on Instagram for your chance to win a $100 gift card from Matron Saint. Email a screenshot of your review and your handle to info at prenatalyogacenter.com. Thanks for listening. For my yoga teacher friends who are interested in working with the pregnant population, Prenatal Yoga Center offers an 85-hour Yoga Alliance certified program based on our three-prong theory of prenatal yoga, asana, education, and community. Once a year, we hold our three-month immersion program in New York City. For those who cannot attend this training, Caprice and I are now traveling to different locations holding our training at hosting studios where we will spend six days working together, exploring and learning about prenatal yoga. This training consists of more than 50 hours working together. We also created a whole membership website with more than 20 videos corresponding directly to the manual you will receive. For more information, check out our website at prenatalyogacenter.com. Hope to work with you soon. Take care. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg and I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies and today we're talking about a little bit of a controversial topic, belly binding. So I reached out to my friend, Lindsay Vestal, because she informed me, in fact, she gave me some really great tools to understand this that we'll share with you, but let me first tell you a little bit about Lindsay. Lindsay Vestal is an occupational therapist and owner and founder of The Functional Pelvis, a private practice specializing in pelvic floor therapy, house calls for pre- and postnatal women. She graduated from NYU with a Master's of Science in Occupational Therapy. She has dedicated her career to empowering women to find relief from conditions such as bowel and urinary incontinence, constipation, pelvic pain, prolapse, and pre- and postnatal complications. She is trained with Herman and Wallace Institute, Diane Lee's Integrated System Model, Maitland, as well as specialized biofeedback training for the pelvic floor. Lindsay is also an ongoing contributor to Well-Rounded New York and has recently been selected as a recipient for the Women's Net Female Entrepreneur Grant. As an OT, she is passionately promoting the bridge of pelvic floor rehabilitation with lifestyle modifications while addressing the physiological impact the pelvic floor issues can have on everyday lives. Prior to founding her own practice, Lindsay was a therapist at Roosevelt Hospital and she lives in Manhattan with her two young children. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me. It's so fun to have you back. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here as always. I I love talking with you about these really important (laughs) topics that I think all all moms need to hear. Yeah, the first podcast we did together is one of our most listened to. So, you know, but you know how I feel about the pelvic floor and about transverse abdominals and support. So, you know, I I preach that. And so I'm glad people listen to it. And then when we thought, when I was thinking about belly binding and kind of the interesting information I've been hearing, I thought, who else to talk to but you? So thank you. It's really I very much appreciate that. So can you explain to our community what is belly binding? 
Absolutely. So there are actually three types of belly binding, and I think it would be pretty beneficial to kind of discuss discuss each of them a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the three are abdominal wraps, pelvic supports, and like shapewear or waist trainers. Mm-hmm. And they all have three different applications, and they all connect to our bodies a little bit differently. So for instance, abdominal wraps, they go from your lower rib cage down to your hip bone. When you have a picture in your mind of an abdominal wrap, that's probably the one that you're thinking of because it's the most common one out there. It often has different arms on it with like Velcro straps so that you can adjust the tightness of it. And there's a subcategory within that, which I'll call belly binding or wrapping. And we'll we'll revisit that in just a moment. Okay. So that's abdominal wraps. The second is pelvic supports that as the name would imply is limited just to the pelvis. So it doesn't go over the rib cage. Um, I, some of them have attachable groin support bands. Um, the material is usually pretty stretchy, but definitely still has a, a tautness to give support and compression. Um, I, I, this is the kind of band that most moms wear if they're feeling instability or pain, like in their, their SI region or their pubic bone. Some of the brands that you may be familiar with are like the Sorola. Um, there's a Diane Lee SI compressor. Um, so, so that, that I think we're also, most of us are pretty familiar with. And then the third category is shapewear. That's like corsets or spanks or compression shorts, um, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about that subcategory, which is the belly binding and wrapping. So, Deb, I'm sure you're familiar with this. It's really fascinating, actually. Bind, binding itself has r- traditional roots in, I think it's like Asia, Native America, Central America. And I think the whole idea behind it is supporting the postpartum core, internal organs, helping to even reduce bleeding um, and the risk of postpartum anemia, it's basically a way to support the healing process. It's traditionally done with really simple muslin fabric. And even the mom usually learns how to perform it on herself. There's likely none of the Velcro, like the ones we think of that we are more familiar with today. Um, and then there's even a more elaborate version performed in Malaysia. Uh, I think it's, you, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this correct, Bengkung tradition. And that is a wrapping that goes from the abdomen to the hips over the rib cage. If you've ever seen it, Deb, it's gorgeous. I have uh, seen it. It looks very intricate. Yes, like it's just <laughs> these gorgeous nodding. If you mm-hmm. want, we can we can post a picture after the I will. podcast. I'll find a picture because it's, it's, it's gorgeous. Art. Yeah, yeah. And I think the the concept there is that women are wrapped as immediately as they can after birth, usually around day five, and then it's worn for about forty days. Uh, this is considered like you know the confinement or mother roasting period, um, which is what it's often referred to. And it's just one aspect of that confinement period. And it's basically to keep the mom warm so that I think the idea is that to kind of seal the gateways, which have been opened by birth, um, basically keeping wind and cold from entering the mom's body. And I, I, that, that concept has always really fascinated me basically that through warmth, a new mom is given time to recuperate from the birth process. I mean, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So along with this very pragmatic idea of reducing bleeding, traditional binding and its roots in the days of 40 days of confinement or mother roasting 
is so that not only the mother is nur- the baby is nurtured, but the mother is nurtured as well. I also know that in some of the Eastern philosophy, the idea of helping for fertility is keeping that kidney band warm. So yeah. I'm, I find that interesting. That's real uh, focus about the warmth, the keeping the heat in, the supporting the mom. So I'm glad it's continued postpartum. Yeah, like even I think in Guatemala, new moms are given like abdominal massage, the Mayan tradition, mm-hmm. India, daily warm oil massages to help with the abdominal muscles and to help reduce bleeding. I mean, it's, 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 it's beautiful. So where it seems like our culture has taken part of that, <laughs> but not embraced the whole idea yes. about that. Am I yes. interpreting this correctly? I would agree with you 100%. All right, let's keep going with the the subcategory of belly binding. Is there anything else about that they want to talk about? Um, let me think. I think we're going to I think we're going to I'm going to kind of we're going to bring this up more as it goes on, but the I just to revisit again, abdominal wraps, which would be more like the belly binding and wrapping, that's the velcro as well as this Malaysian bangkan tradition, the pelvic supports which have a very different application. That's really more for orthopedic pain. And then the shapewear and the waist trainers, which I think by the name alone kind of lets you know what their their concept is or their motivation is. Mm-hmm. Under what circumstances would one want to do the belly binding? Would they find it useful? Like cesarean, diastasis? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great question. Uh, I think first and foremost, let's go back to that original intention that we just discussed, which mm-hmm. is encouraging rest. So really guiding the postpartum woman into restorative postures and alignment, providing comfort, support, almost like a gentle hug to increase awareness of that part of their body. I I think it can be helpful for vaginal and cesarean births. Uh, I think another case where perhaps the pelvic, uh, the pelvic supports that we talked about would be helpful for when a mom did have like pubic symphysis dysfunction or SI Basically, when our, our, our ligaments are too relaxed, uh, sometimes due to relaxin or just genetically, we just might be a little bit, a little bit on the loose side. And so that could all help with, uh, appropriate reception and a tool to help remind the mom to slow down and reconnect with her muscles. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So again, we're coming back to the idea that in a lot of cultures, it is about supporting the mom, keeping her warm, nurturing, nourishing, inviting, slowing down. But again, I still yes. see that not being the case with how they're used here. Or, and I mean, this is a much bigger topic, but just what's expected of moms and how we support yes. them. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. And then you asked me about um, diastasis, mm-hmm. um, which you'll often hear. I want to kind of go into that because I think that's really important. Uh, so we, I often say DR just cause I find that word <laughs> diastasis, diastasis. It can be, it can be a doozy to pronounce. So I, I, I may <laughs> <And> say DR. <laughs> yes, exactly. My spell exactly. check all the time is like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I know. I still can't spell that darn word right. 
right, so explain um, what it is for those that are new to, underst- yes. to understanding what diastasis or diastasis is. Great. Thank you. Yes. So DR is basically an ab separation. And I'd love to take a very quick moment and remind everybody that ab separation is 100. We all have it. Men have it. Women who haven't had children have it. Women after they have children have it. We all have ab separation. Otherwise, we would have a three-pack, not a six-pack, right? It's a set of muscles, the rectus abdominis, that have a split down the center that separates them into two different compartments. Now, where it becomes dysfunctional or where some problems might arise is postpartum because even though we all have ab separation during pregnancy, 100% of us have a bigger ab separation. And clinically, it's 2.74 centimeters or 2.74 finger widths is, is the exact definition. We all have it during pregnancy. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to make room for our babies. Where it becomes dysfunctional or a concern is if that 2.74 centimeters persists after birth. I mean, and and let's say good six, seven, eight weeks after birth, if it's still there. I also just want to very quickly say that newer research, um, and Diane Lee is someone that I've studied with who has been a big a big researcher on this topic, is that it's not so much about that distance. We've traditionally put a lot of emphasis on that 2.74, but it's actually more about the integrity and the tension that we can produce to support our organs and our pelvis that matters most. And that's really what makes DR um, problematic. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. All right. So that's DR, but let's talk about DR and the binding. Um, so I think the concept behind wearing a DR binder is that it kind of like holds you in, holds you together while you're wearing it and you're approximating that center line back together. So we've already said that that's not so much, you know, newer researchers let us know that's not so much of an issue. So, so anyway, that's the concept behind it, but what it can never do is actually strengthen or tighten the muscles just by being worn. Things that I found to be most effective, so the most effective approaches to help with DR are things like minding alignment, focusing on intelligent exercise that restores your deep, not crunches, (laughs) exactly, your deep core muscles, and we'll define that a little bit later, and good nutrition. That's a big part of it too. You really have to engage and work your true core in a functional way and all with the goal of reducing interabdominal pressure. Okay. And these binders are usually increasing interabdominal pressure. So fixing DR is not just about closing the gap. And in fact, if you're sucking in your stomach, which is not activating your core muscles, I need to say that again, when you suck in your stomach or do a crunch, you are not activating your true core muscles. You're simply displacing what's inside your belly up and down. So imagine a tube of toothpaste, right? If you squeeze that tube of toothpaste in the middle, the contents have to go somewhere, right? Has to go up, it goes down. And in, in, in the case of your abdomen, it, the pressure goes upward, upwards, placing pressure on the diaphragm, which is the roof of the entire system and one component of the core. Pressure also goes downward onto your pelvic floor, which is the floor of the system. That's another part of your core. And this is basically just increasing your interabdominal pressure. So there's much more to DR repair than binding, sucking in, and really focusing on closing the gap. 
I think instead focusing on the integrity of the core, which is not the six pack, it's not the obliques and slowly and mindfully learning how to reconnect to a part of our body that through pregnancy and delivery, we likely have become disengaged from. And especially if a postpartum mom's had weakness or compromise to her pelvic mm-hmm. floor, and now we're putting pressure, bad news exactly happens. Right. And one of my biggest pet peeves is that a lot of yoga teachers say this instruction of draw your navel to your spine, or you hear that in Pilates, and that just yes. encourages sucking in as opposed to actually finding the transverse abdominals. So that's something for listeners, especially if you're in the yoga world or you're doing yoga or you're a yoga teacher, it's, in my opinion, not a particularly helpful alignment cue because you're adding that intra-abdominal pressure that's not necessary. Just had to put that in there. <laughs> and you're likely not accessing that true core, right? right. You're, you're just likely sucking accessing... your stomach in. Yeah. Yeah. So on so many levels, it, it, it's really, you're right. It's, it's, not, it's not a very accurate or descriptive um, cue at all. So let's go into why it's detrimental to put that pressure on the pelvic floor and why it might be yes. detrimental for new moms, especially. Yes. Yes. So I think explaining why it could be detrimental requires an understanding of what the true core is. So we've talked about that all right a few times. Let's actually take a moment and define what the true core is. And oftentimes I'll start workshops or when I'm working with clients this way, I'll say, okay, guys, what do you think the core is? And people will usually kind of just point to their abs. Maybe some people will touch their back, but it's a pretty vague answer. And so Mm -hmm. let's actually just take a minute and, and recognize that it's much more specific than that. So it's a group or it's a team of muscles. There's four to be exact. Um, we've already mentioned two of them, which were the diaphragm, our breathing and posture muscle, the pelvic floor, lower abdominals only. So that's our transversus abdominis or TA. So it's low abs from belly button to pubic bone. That means it's not obliques. It's not the six pack. And then the fourth part are some muscles along the back of your spine. And they all work together as a team, as a unit to give you the most robust, most supportive core that you possibly could have and pelvis. So now if a woman wears an abdominal binder wrapped tightly in the center of her core, and so I'm talking about the type binder that goes from your rib cage down to your pelvic bone. And by the way, that that rib cage, so right underneath your bra line, that's where your diaphragm is. So that's the roof or the conductor of your core. It's such, such a pivotal part of the whole system. And that binder is really fixing that, right? It's, it's, it's compressing that region all the way from where the diaphragm is down to where the, um, the pelvic floor starts, which is at the, at that pelvic, pelvic bone. Okay. So it's increasing pressure. It's not allowing the diaphragm to expand, which, which is how, when the lungs fill with air. Um, and so basically a connect, a coordination of that whole system is lost. We're literally disconnected from ourselves. We're disconnected from that sense of being able to take a full breath and allow that pelvic floor to respond, which is what coordination is at its finest. That's what co- real core integrity is all about. Now, what's what's the big deal about excess pressure, right? So if excessive downward pressure is generated on the pelvic organs in the pelvic floor, because we have three organs in the ball of the pelvis, and if the pelvic floor cannot adequately support that pressure, that's when we start to see urinary leaking, um, pelvic or vaginal heaviness, you know, prolapse. Um, and, and if we're wearing a binder, that is only exacerbating those symptoms. 
So for some women who are experiencing these symptoms, they'll definitely feel it more with the binder. And wearing that binder could actually change the shape of the abdomen, the side, and 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 someone who's wearing it and not actively training the true core could actually introduce a new problem. And that's what happened to me. In fact, it's funny my talk about this. My listeners are like, you share a lot. Well, I feel like it's important to share because it's something people don't talk about. But I was yes. actually told by a PT way too early. I realized I kind of went off it after I kind of lost it a little after the birth of my son, which was epic. And I knew my pelvic floor was having problems. And I went to a PT probably at like two and a half weeks. And she said, get the, I think it was called the belly bandit or something like that. And she said, get it as tight as possible. And I actually added Velcro to squeeze it tight um, and wear it all the time, except for a shower. And I was doing, I know, I know. And you would have thought I knew better. And I thought I'm like, okay, I'm getting good advice. Who knew? And all of a sudden, I remember one day walking, and I started to feel this real heaviness, and I had created bladder prolapse. Oh. I, I know. And so then, luckily, I went to a different PT, and she wouldn't see me till seven weeks, and I worked really hard, and I did exercises twice a day. I mean, I for like a year, and I yeah. corrected the situation. Granted, I had stopped breastfeeding by like a year and a half, so by that point, it, it had... It, it fixed itself through work, but I'm convinced had I not been told that things have been different. So I guess one reason I get on my, you know, my bandwagon about this and I have podcasts about this is because I think we hear people in the community hear about this and they think, oh, I better do belly binding. It's going to help shrink my waist. It's going to bring the diastasis back together. And they do it unknowingly and then create problems. So I'd rather, you know, put my story out there so that people can know the bigger picture. So, so thank you for sharing that because about this and and we, okay, I'm going to bring it up. Maybe you're going to bring it up later. Will you talk about the chicken? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) People are like, there's a chicken involved (laughs) because I (laughs) think there's a chicken involved. So the reason I share that story is because when you showed me the, the rubber chicken, I'm like, that. That's what happened to my pelvic floor. Like it really clicked for me when I saw yeah. that. So let's let's talk about the yeah. chicken. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also just want to take a moment and thank you for sharing your story and all the stories that you share because it's really what gets the education out there. It's what's helping to change the experience of so many postpartum women. And that personal story makes such a difference. So thank you. Thank you. I I do believe that sometimes some I think sometimes our personal sufferings are better for others. You know, like we learn from it. All right. So share the chicken. Oh yeah. All right. So I think Deb and I are going to post a video about this because (laughs) it really is worthwhile to see it. But basically when I'm educating women about these topics, I try to make it as tangible as possible. And that includes bringing a rubber chicken with me and the rubber chicken, basically (laughs) when you squeeze the belly and, um, an egg comes out, like an egg kind of, um, it drops out. Right. And, and, and how (laughs) someone's like, would you just like go through Amazon (laughs) and just try to find the, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of that geeky where I'm just like, I look at a tool or I'm playing, I'm at a toy store with my kids and I'm like, how can I repurpose this for the purpose, for the intention of educating about the pelvic floor? (laughs) So basically I, what I say when I have this chicken in front of me is if I'm walking around sucking in my belly or I have a binder on, I'm compressing my belly and to the point where 
literally that downward pressure is shooting out through my pelvic floor. And over time, especially if you already have a weakened pelvic floor, right? You, you are creating a vac. You are creating a, a pressure system. Our abdomen is a closed pressure chamber and the, and we expand and contract and that's normal and that's natural. And that's what keeps the coordination of the core in check. We have to have full range of motion in our core and our pelvic floor. You know this when it comes to your knee, your elbow, your shoulder, you can see that happening. I think the pelvic floor gets mysterious, gets taboo, and the core itself because we can't, it doesn't affix to a joint, right? So the pelvic floor, when, when you're looking at your bicep and you, and you bend and extend your elbow, that muscle is moving that joint and it's creating that motion. Our pelvic floor also has motion. It's just not affixed to a joint. So you don't get that immediate feedback. You don't know if it's moving well. And so this idea of closing and compressing and tightening is, has aesthetic value to it. I totally get that. But if we go back to sort of the original intention of these binders, which we discussed at the beginning of this podcast about nurturing and protecting and healing, there is time and space for that as we progress through the postpartum period. And I'm telling you right now, that does not include compression in the long run. So even the confinement period is a, is a fixed period. It's a 40 day period. And during that time, you start to come back, you start to wean off the, some of this compression and some of this gentle hugging, which by the way, let me say that, that those garments, they allow you to breathe. Okay. These shape changers, these waist trainers, all these things, you literally cannot take a deep breath. And if you can't take a deep breath, that pressure has to go somewhere. So I don't know if you remember, like in the, if you come across this, like the, the idea of a fainting couch in like the 1800s, you know, they had those fainting couches, couches because women were wearing those corsets and they literally couldn't take a deep breath. And when the lungs cannot adequately expand, we're not getting enough oxygen to our body and brain and we pass out. I didn't know about that. (laughs) That crazy. I mean, I know corsets. I didn't, and I understand the lack of breathing. I just didn't know there were such things as fainting couches yeah. <laughs> ready for women to pass out from their fashion choices. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. So, yeah. So, what are some of the guidelines someone should follow if they choose to wear a binder? How should it feel? How long? You're saying 40 days is really the longest, and they should wean off of it. What are some yeah. red flags if they're like, okay, this is, I'm feeling yeah. pinching or what, what are, what are the guidelines behind if someone chooses to wear it? So I think you need to be smart about the use of your wrap and already put into place a weaning process, you know, where you kind of gradually start to challenge your muscles again in everyday use. Remember something we had said at the very beginning of the podcast, which was you're not actually going to strengthen or tighten or engage your muscles just by wearing something tight. So there may be a time and place to wear it, but I think in the back of your mind, you don't use it, you lose it, right? So you're kind of already thinking um, of, of that next step. So an example of something I often tell my clients is when they're ready, 
you know, maybe just start wearing the wrap in the evenings when our kids can often be a little more hands-on. Uh, we call it the witching hour in my house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the exact same thing we say here from yeah. 5 to 7.30, the witching, right. witching hours. <laughs> um, and that's also when our posture tends to suffer a bit due to fatigue of the day. So mm-hmm. be selective, right? Maybe choose choose it when your body needs it. Kind of set yourself up for success. You know, when you're doing that bath time and you're kind of, you know, over, over the tub and you, you know, you might, you know, your back's not, not feeling so strong yet. So during, and also during that process, you're working on your core intelligently with exercises that focus on restoring those deep muscles that we talked about that really establish true support and, and integrity. So, uh, let's see, I guess something, okay. So we said that that's that 40 day period. That was that traditional concept. There's some other products out there that I've actually, I, I'm, I'm continuing to research, but I've been pretty happy with. There's one called, um, Belly's Inc. Ab System. And they are very specific with their recommendations. They basically say, um, wear it for eight weeks. Okay. And then they have a tank that they switch you over to. Uh, so that's just an example, but, but the idea is a short fixed period of time. There's a weaning process in place and there's an exercise plan factored in Hmm. and you're allowing yourself to breathe. You're making sure that it's like, you know, you know how you got extra Velcro and you're like, all right, I'm going to do this like Mm -hmm. this. And that's, that's really, that's a really common normal approach that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it really well. Right. But recognizing that, if I'm wearing this even as early as day one, making sure that I can breathe, um, not fe- not not you're not breath holding, you're, you don't have extreme shortness of breath, um, definitely no feeling of pressure on the pelvic floor, right? Any sort of sense of downward pressure, sometimes exacerbated as the day goes on, maybe when you lift something, maybe one of your kids, maybe a stroller going up and down some stairs. If you have any heaviness or pressure in that pelvic floor, that's an absolute reason to take it off. Um, I also want to quickly mention indigestion because remember how we said that the pressure inside, um, if you have that toothpaste tube, right, and you squeeze it, pressure goes down, pressure goes up. So pressure going up, that's indigestion. That's reflux. Okay. So if women are having um, any sort of indigestion, and I'm not talking about the pregnant woman, right? I'm talking about the postpartum woman who is having maybe some, some increased indigestion, sudden onset of indigestion, that could also be an, a, uh, this displacement of pressure surfacing that way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That makes a lot of sense. So I want to throw at you, I know that a lot of my pregnant students have SI issues and they do wear some sort of SI belts, um, you know, really just for the the pelvis. I've also seen some students wear full belly bands while pregnant. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. uh, I personally have not ever 
very rarely recommend someone to wear something like that. Now, a pelvic support, remember we the talked difference. about those yeah, three. Yeah, not the pelvic yes. support. Yes. Not the SI, not the stabilizing for the pelvis, okay. which I totally support because so many women yep. have such unstable, especially the dancers I yes. have and Pilates teachers. Yes. But I've seen women wear full belly bands because they're worried about diastasis during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I tell them, don't worry, Mm-mm. we are going to no. look at that after and they're no. still wearing that. So that's a big no. One, if you're wearing it because you're trying to prevent diastasis, I'm going to tell you right now that that is a futile attempt. 100% of us get diastasis in pregnancy. There is no other way to make room for our babies. So wearing a band is not going to do that. It is not going to prevent that or change that at all. Good. I needed to some, I needed another voice to say that <laughs> just because I feel like, you know, the more people that say the same thing, the better. <laughs> All right. So, well, listen. and the other thing that's interesting is that, you know, they, they also can restrict and reshape our intestines even when we're pregnant. Right. So I, I'm sure you know this, like the heart even shifts in the mm-hmm. chest when we're pregnant. I mean, our organs move so much to make room for this baby that if you have this band on, you're changing peristalsis. You're not allowing nutrition or absorption from food to take place because that whole digestive process is now uh, even more restricted. You know, the baby takes up a lot of space, and now here you are allow you know not allowing that whatever room is left to to be there. And so you know, di- digestive issues can really surface. I also can- been talking about with my clients not doing if your baby's malpositioned breach. Don't do it. We do a lot of transverse abdominal exercise to keep some support there. But if baby is malpositioned, I actually want to have space for baby and more of a relaxed abdomen to allow baby to rotate. So if you're, if you're doing this early in pregnancy, uh, not that early, but you know, like 28 weeks plus, and you're restricting that could in theory restrict baby from Turn, going head down, I'm guessing. What are your thoughts on that? That makes perfect sense to me. That you, you're, I, I agree with you in 100%. All right. So ladies, we love the SI. If you're having issues, support that pelvis, but let the belly breathe. <laughs> Let the belly breathe. Don't be a don't be a chicken. Don't be a rubber chicken. <laughs> exactly. No rubber chickens here. <laughs> All right. So, what are some options to gain core stability if choosing another option than binding? So, of course, I'm gonna plug pelvic floor therapy. Um, that's that's what I do, um, and that is. I think we deeply understand the communication and the system approach of really looking at all four parts of the core always coming back to breathing, not just because we have fainting couches anymore, (laughs) but this sense of just by breathing, you're really allowing full range of motion in the, in the core. And I know in our first podcast, we went into very in-depth in that. So if, if anybody's kind of scratching their heads and wants a deeper explanation of that, um, I encourage them to go back there. Um, there's also, you know, very good specialized fitness trainers, um, that can, that can help you, um, make sure to ask them questions about uh, what they think about the diaphragm. If during the course of, of breathing, is there an appropriate time to Kegel? Because the answer is yes, especially Mm -hmm. in that postpartum period when we're retraining and getting that team back online together. But, you know, for those of us that don't have resources or, you know, um, don't have access to someone who is good, good in their, in their field, when it comes to really understanding the core, there's some really good online programs now, um, that, that have come out. Um, uh, Mutu is a really good one. Uh, restore your core is, is fantastic. I'm putting this all they, in our show notes, restore your core. And the well, other one, restore you said, your core is and amazing. The other one's and then Mutu. Yes. M U T U. 
Oh, I've heard of that. Yes. Okay, great. Both, both, oh, and um, both of them, both of them are, have pelvic floor therapists on their board. Great. Uh, so, so they, they're really intelligent and I, I've met, I've met the, um, the, the mastermind behind Restore Your Core. She was actually recently in New York doing a workshop and she's just brilliant. She's just, and you know what else I love and I find this to be very rare is she's constantly producing free content out there on Facebook. You don't even have to be part of her, her, um, her system. You know, you don't have to purchase her system and she's always making adaptations and encouraging the listener and the mom to be her own advocate and to really go, okay, so what am I doing throughout my day? And if I, rather than just blindly putting on an exercise protocol and saying, I want you to squeeze here and do that. She's saying now, watch, are your feet doing this? Are your shoulder doing this? Here are, uh, modifications that you should be making. And I, and that to me is intelligent exercise. You know, mm-hmm. exercise is not a one size fits all. Correct. There's not a cookie cutter approach where I can hand you a cookbook and say, this is what I want you to do. And this is how you're going to recover postpartum. You really have to be your own advocate, start to understand your own body so that the advice that you may be receiving may not make sense for you. And, and so you have to modify and challenge some of those assumptions and I think that once we're our own advocate and we can can really understand what's going on with the guidance of those around us, what's better? Absolutely. I cannot say more than that. That's perfect. Recently, I've been talking to our community about really uh, understanding proprioception. How does your body work? So yeah. if we're asking our students to do stuff and we're saying, but how's it feel? We have to invite the conversation for them with their own body. How does this feel? I need to start to oh, pay yeah. attention. And I think that that's a bit lost. I think there's often, I'm giving you the direction I ask you to do it, but yeah. for the student to interpret, how does this yeah. feel? Uh, that's something we're really trying to cultivate. So oh, yeah. So thank you for these options. I'm going to put this in our show notes, restore your core and mutu. Perfect. And, you know, what also comes to mind, and, and when I was doing some research, you know, about the, the, uh, the, ra- the binding and the, t- and the wrapping, um, the, the, the Malaysian uh, tradition, you know, I really love that they taught, they would teach the mother how to do it herself. And I, I love that just because, so I'm an occupational therapist and that, that lens that I think I sometimes bring to the table is really all about empowering, empowering the mom and meeting her where she is and giving her tools to, to listen to herself and, and to, to find that best solution. And, you know, I love that the mom could perform this binding on herself because not only does that mean that she's part of an active process of that, but likely she's not going to tie it too tight, right? She's receiving that proprioception or that feedback and kind of going, this is where I need it today. Or it's been two weeks. I noticed I'm really starting to engage my core again. I'm going to loosen it today, you know? And I, I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you say that though, I also get into the mindset of someone not being like, it's tight, but it's supposed to be tight. Like, I think yeah. we have to invite yeah. the acceptance that the body is going to take time to heal. And again, this is kind of going to that bigger conversation of, are we giving moms the right message? Like it almost feels like as soon as the baby's out, she has to be super mom. So finding the support and the acceptance that it's going to take a little time, this whole, even understanding motherhood is going to take time getting to know this new body. So I like that. Again, we, we bring it back to the mom to invite her to get to know her body this new body. It's very much a new body. Yeah. And that's regardless of the type of birth we had, you know, we should, we should take a moment just to remind ourselves that like during the full nine months, right, there's a lot of pressure sitting on those 14 pelvic floor muscles and ligaments and nerves. And there's a certain amount of, of stretch and, and pressure 
that happens because of that. And that's not even going into the details of, of her particular labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oftentimes if we have a cesarean mom, she'll be like, well, I didn't give birth vaginally. So my, do I need to work my pelvic floor? But of course she still had all that weight on the pelvic floor and the ligaments. And where the incision happened was right through the lower abdominals, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that those lower abdominals share connective tissue with the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in some ways, I actually am even more passionate about people who have had a C-section to be seen by a pelvic floor therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we also have the fascia that's tra- that's that got right. traumatized. I've been working with Leslie Howard. She, I don't know if you know her. She's um, well-known in the yoga yes. world for pelvic floor. And yes. she was talking about the... Um, hypertonicity that comes from surgery, that the muscles are traumatized and they kind of seize up. So then really teaching women how to find that relaxation and that as well as support. And all comes back to the breathing. We kind of full circle back to the diaphragm, diaphragmatic breathing. 100%. And I'm so incredibly passionate about women being able to perform and understand the role of scar cares to help loosen that fascia. Because, you know, scars are phenomenal. They provide stability to an area that's been compromised, but that stability often comes with a price. And that price is layers of adhesions or glue form below the surface and make it so that part of our body can be stuck or rigid or fixed. Mm-hmm. And that those low abs, are, which is right above our uterus and our bladder, is not an area that we want to be fixed and rigid. We want full range of motion. So actually, I am about to release um, a scar care guide that's just, it's free. I'm going to be just handing it out to any practitioner that feels like it could be beneficial to their clients birth workers, um, birthing professionals, anyone that would like it that just goes over these techniques so that, you know, I I get it at that postpartum follow-up, there's not a whole lot of time. Um, but if a practitioner can just hand over this very quick guide of, Hey, I don't have time to go over this with you today, but here's some simple techniques because we want you to get this part of your body moving. Mm -hmm. That would make a world of difference. We apply these principles to when someone's had a knee surgery or a knee replacement or a hip replacement, they go through PT They are given instructions on how to do scar care. And this part of the body, whether it's your perineum or your low abs, are no different. They need that same TLC and nurturing and support. Yes, I can't wait to get that. I will will definitely give it out to our students. Fantastic. Well, I know you have to run to a park slopes. Is there anything else that you want to add as we wrap up? No, I'm just so appreciative of having this conversation with you and bringing these really important topics out there. Um, I'm excited about posting the rubber chicken picture (laughs) and (laughs) a few of the other things I was taking notes, like maybe I can find a a fainting couch or something and and we can post some fun stuff up there. And I would just say that um, I invite the conversation of anybody, if they have any specific questions, I feel like Deb is one of those people that are really helping these in topics surface um, so that the mystery is taken out of them. It's not so taboo and the more education, the better. And I'd love to facilitate and help that any way I can. So I invite anyone listening to, to reach out um, at any time with, through email, with any questions they have, regardless if they live in the New York area. Yeah. I'll put up all your contact information. I have to tell you, I love talking about this stuff. So it is. Such, I do too. I do too. <laughs> we're, we're so geeking out. I love it. And I, I really appreciate your wisdom because you, the way you explain it, I think is very digestible for a lot of people. And you do take the taboo out of it because we say pelvic floor and people don't even know what we're talking about. And we need to let that be just like you said, it's like, if you have a knee surgery, you're going to rehab your knee. So why not rehab the body after birth? Yeah. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure you and I are going to chat again another time and enjoy your, what day are we on? Thursday. Enjoy your Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Deb. And thank you to everybody who's listening. All right. Be well. Bye. Okay. Bye. (laughs) This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.